All right, we'll pray for the Word then. Father, tonight I thank You for the Word. Holy Spirit, we ask You to come and teach us. We ask You to come and, and reveal to us what it is You would have us to know. Lord, we want to be Yours. We want to be Your people. We understand that the redemption is ours and that Jesus, You didn't die to give us a partial redemption, but a total redemption in our body, our soul, and our spirit. And so tonight we receive that. We thank you for it, and we ask you just for supernatural impartation and revelation this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we'll begin in verse 15. And uh, Jesus is with his disciples, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And so he's asking them who they think he is. And verse 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, we know that Peter got a lot of things wrong, but he got this one right. I mean, this time he got it right. I mean, you know, and of course, after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he was a whole lot better. But here, he got it right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was saying, You're the Messiah. You're the one we've waited for. You are, you are the Son of God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So this revelation comes straight from the Father to Peter. Now let's focus here. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, which means small pebble, and upon this rock, huge boulder, I will build my church. So the, the church is built on the revelation, the huge boulder that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. All right, that's, that's the revelation. That's what the church is built on. And then it goes on to say, and this is, this is what I want to look at for just a second, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is, what is it? The church, the church is what he's talking about. So the gates of hell are not to prevail against the church. Where do you think the gates of hell would be? At the entrance to hell, right? That's where they would be. Okay, that's where the gates would be. Uh, and so Jesus is, is saying that hell cannot resist the church. Too much of the time the church is on the defensive. We're ducking and dodging what Satan is doing when the opposite needs to be happening. He needs to be ducking and dodging what we're doing. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are demons out there tonight who've been making plans for decades. And we can foil them in one minute if we just get the word from God about what's going on around us. And they, they, we can undo what they've been planning to do for a long time. I mean, our society is in a mess. Many families are in messes. We need to find the, the voice of God and find out what we're supposed to be doing to turn this thing around. The church <clears throat> should be the agent of change. Not the media, not the politician. The church ought to be the agent of change. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so then he tells us what the church ought to be doing. Okay, this is, this is very important because I don't know that the church is doing a whole lot of this. He said, he said it, the hell cannot prevail. Our job is to march not into, not into the physical hell where people have already died and gone to hell, but in the, in the hell of people's lives because they're being tormented by the devil. 
Their lives are being destroyed by the devil. Their families are being destroyed. Our job as believers is to march into those places and help those people out. All right? Jesus said in the book of Revelation chapter 1, He said, Behold, I'm he that's, I, I'm he that, 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 that's alive but was dead. I live forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Jesus has the keys of hell. When he was resurrected, when the Father said, Thou art my beloved Son, this day I have begotten thee, and he rose him from the dead, Jesus walked out, but before he left, he took the keys to hell, because Jesus became the first one ever to come out of hell, the, the real place, the physical place of hell, in the, in the heart of the earth. Jesus now has the keys. He took them from the devil, and the devil's been looking for keys for a long time because he doesn't know what he did with his keys because Jesus took them from him. <laughs> Jesus has the keys. If you've lost your keys, where are my keys? You know, the devil's looking for his keys. Jesus has the key because the scripture tells us that at one time the devil was the one who controlled death and that mankind feared death. But we have no fear of death any longer because Jesus has taken the keys of hell and of death. Jesus has lots of keys, but those are two we're going to talk about a little bit. He also has the key of David. I like that one. That's the key to the treasure room. Jesus has the key to the treasure room as well. But he said, I'm going to give to you, I'm, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what, 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 what would that be? He goes on to describe, And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. A good translation says, And whatsoever you permit in earth will be permitted in heaven. Whatsoever you forbid in earth will be forbidden in heaven. Do you not think it's time for the church to forbid some things? Isn't it time for the church to loose some things? The things that God would have us forbid. I'll tell you, we have allowed too many things. And things are happening in our culture today because the church has sat silently by and let them happen. Because the devil has tricked us into thinking that we're supposed to be good, quiet, little Christians. Have you read the book of Acts? They said about Paul, hey... These guys are the ones who've turned the world upside down, and they've come here too. We need to be start not turning it upside down, but turning it right side up, because it's upside down right now, because the church has been too nice. I'm not talking about being mean to people. We've been too nice to the devil, because the devil has convinced us that he has more power than he really has. We think, because Hollywood and the media have helped us think, that he's some big something. And if you think about a demon, have you ever seen one on TV? Oh, they are awful and they are nasty and they are scary. And I mean, you should be afraid. No, you shouldn't be afraid of them. We shouldn't be afraid of them at all. The scripture says we have the authority to cast them out. The world, our nation, was founded by Christian men and women who dedicated it to God in its origin. They landed at Plymouth Rock. They gave it to God. George Washington stood in his first inaugural address and gave this nation to God. It was done over and over in our history. 
This, this nation was founded by people who were in love with God. They wanted God's rule. They wanted God's kingdom to come. They came here to get away from the oppression of the religious oppression of the king of England. And they came here for religious freedom, which was an expression of their love for God. And this nation was founded for that. And there are those who've come. The devil hates America. He's hated it for a long time because we've spent more money, sent more missionaries, and won more people in the world to Jesus Christ than any other nation ever in the history of the world. And we still are doing it, but it's getting worse and worse. It's getting fewer and fewer and far further between. There are other nations that are catching up with us, like South Korea. We need to take our stand as the church. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys. And whatever you forbid in earth will be forbidden in heaven. Now, here's the, the translation here is right. What this says here, there's some translation that says, whatever you, whatever you loose will be that which is already loose in heaven. That's not what it says here. And we'll talk about that as we go forward. How could that even be? How do you and I have the authority to loose something here and in heaven? That's a good question, huh? We'll think about it. Talk, we'll talk about it next time, maybe. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, so he said it more than one time. He gives us keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus gives us keys. Sadly, most of the church is waiting on God to do something. Well, you know, the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word wait there means to bind together with. Those who are bound together with God in expectation is what it's talking about. It's talking about binding my will, binding my heart, being twisted together with God, inseparable from Him. Those are the ones who renew their strength. Those are the ones who mount up with wings as eagles. Not those who are sitting on the couch waiting for God to show up. Not those who are going to church hoping today that God will show up. I mean, you can hope all you want to. It's going to take something else. We've got to learn how to use the keys that Jesus has given to us. All right? Most of the church, we're waiting for God. The Scripture says we live in perilous or fierce times. We're, the church is waiting on God. Sadly, God is waiting for us to do what we're supposed to do. Do you know He's not going to do anything outside of what He's already said in His Word? He's going to do what He said, and we need to understand that. But here's what He never said. We talked about this last week. He never said for you to ask Him to do something about the devil. You can pray all day long, Oh God, do something about the devil. Oh God, make the devil quit attacking me. You're wasting your breath right there. You're, we're wasting time. The Scripture never tells Christians to ask God to help to, to fight the devil for them. The Scripture says, what does it say? Resist the devil and he will flee from Jesus. doesn't say that. Resist the devil and he'll flee from the preacher if he prays over you and waves his hand. <laughs> doesn't say that. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from from you. It, it, listen, here's something it didn't say. Pray that the devil will leave you alone. 
It says, you resist him and he will flee from you. The word flee means to run away and hide. When we resist him, it takes resistance here. That's what the scripture tells us to do. The scripture says, give no place. Literally it says spot. Give no spot to the devil. Who? Who doesn't give him a spot? You don't. I don't. If we allow him in, he will come in. If we allow him to steal from us, he will steal from us. The fight is by the power of God and the wisdom of God being in the word of God until we know what we're supposed to do. We have the authority from Jesus to resist him. We have the authority from Jesus to use the keys. Jesus was resurrected from the dead in Acts chapter 28. He stands with his disciples and he says, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. In other words, he just now commissioned the church to go because he has all authority and he said, Now I'm sending you. That's pretty good news, isn't it? What that says is we don't have to put up with all the stuff the devil's doing to us. We don't have to give in to all of these things that we think we have to give in to. This threefold fight against the flesh, against the culture, against the devil is absolutely winnable if we understand how to use the keys. Understand how to bind and how to loose. If you just read the Gospels, Jesus spent a lot of time binding and loosing. He sent the, the 12 out and they went out and he said, I'm, I give you power over unclean spirits or over demons, over sickness and disease. He sent them out to heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed and to raise the dead. And they went out and they healed the sick, delivered the oppressed and raised the dead. All 12 of them did. They came back and they were excited. Then he sent out 70 more along with the 12. Now 82 people are going out and they're going to places Jesus is going to preach and they're healing the sick. They're, they're, they're casting out demons and they are raising the dead. That group comes back and they said, wow, Jesus, even the devil is subject to us. Yes. What did Jesus say? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What he just said is, he is not all you think he is. I saw him get kicked out of heaven just like that. He said, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, the key is the, key is the kingdom of God. Getting people out of the prison of hell and getting them into the kingdom of light. We have to understand, that's what we're on the planet to do. We're not just on this planet to play church. We're on the planet to serve Him. We have the keys. We're to bind and we're to loose. We're to attack the gates of hell. Man, most of the church, however, believes that everything that's happening is the will of God. That's what they think. Well, you know, so-and-so had this, 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 this problem and it just must be the will of God. Not necessarily. So we think that if we think everything that happens is the will of God, then we would never need to pray, thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Because if everything is his will, it would already be being done. That means the car wreck would be his will. That means the cancer would be his will. That means that, that everything wrong that happens to us would be his will. Jesus said to pray that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. Think about this verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. What's, he not, what's not his will? Perishing. He's talking about going to hell. It's not the will of God that any should perish, but here's his will, but that all should come to repentance. Let me ask you a question. Do all come to repentance? The vast majority of people do not. And they choose, through, their, through, through, through not repenting, they choose hell for themselves. They do it against the will of God. God's will is for everybody to be saved. It's not the will of God that they're not. The Bible says in Psalm 115, verse 16, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Do you know why the world is a mess? Because men are running the show. Sadly, not just any men, but men who have been lied to by the devil and their thoughts are thoughts that oppose the word of God. And that's what's wrong in the world. Their, thought, their thinking is messed up. The Bible says that the, he calls Satan the God of this world because Adam and Eve gave it to him in the Garden of Eden. The day they, gave, they ate of the fruit, they gave their authority over to the devil. Thankfully, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And he went to hell for us, was raised from the dead for us. He took the keys of hell and death for us. And now through his redemption, we can regain the authority in the earth that we're supposed to have. Most Christians have no idea that that even exists. They believe that Jesus has authority. They don't understand the authority that we have and the keys that we possess. But the earth is ours. God gave it to us. I mean, we, we have the right in Jesus because he is the second Adam and what, what they did, he made better and made it right. That's, this is pretty good news. We have work to do here. We didn't get saved just so we could go to heaven when we die. Wouldn't that be an awful thought to get saved at six and wait for 75 years before you get to go to heaven? What are you doing in the meantime? Well, I never missed a Sunday at church. Well, that's good, but are we doing something? Are we binding? Are we loosing? Are we, are we walking in the authority that we're supposed to have? We have a job to do. We, we bind. We, enloose, we loose. We invade the devil's territory for the kingdom of God. You remember when you, I don't, when I started school, some of you started before me, some after, but I remember we got this book in the first grade. We didn't have kindergarten when I started. We got this book, and it was called The Little Red Book. And we were going to read out of the little red book. Anybody ever get the little red book? It said, it started off with these two words, see Tom. First two words we read was see Tom. Then we read, then we, the next one was see Tom run. 
I think the next was C. Susan. C. Susan run. Then it was C. Flip. Flip was the dog. C. Flip run. And those were the words we began to read. And I'm telling you, we thought we were something else because I remember going home thinking, Mom, I can read. I can quit school now because I can read. I don't have to go back. I can read now. Spiritually speaking, many Christians are right there. They got saved. They got their little red book, maybe the little red Bible that they got from the Gideons. I don't know if that's the color you get from the Gideons. Different colors mean different things. And they stopped learning the day they got saved. And they've been taught since then that the whole purpose of this is to get saved so you can go to heaven. And once you've done that, your job is over. Now you're just waiting because the preacher has to work. The evangelist has to work, but the rest of them, you all just sit out there and do whatever you want to do because you've done your job. We've been taught that all we've got to do is walk an aisle, join the church, and that's it. And then eventually we're going to die. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to sit on a cloud, play a harp, and eat grapes. And just, that's all we're going to do. Would anybody really want to do that for eternity? Just sit on a cloud for all of eternity. Some people think, oh, well, when we get to heaven, we'll get wings and we'll fly around. That ain't going to happen. You don't have any wings now, do you? You're not going to have wings there either. Oh, but you are going to get to walk through walls because that's what Jesus did. There'll be lots of things that are going to happen that are going to be way different because your body will not be flesh It'll be flesh and bone, but not flesh and blood. It'll be a spiritual body. It'll be, it'll be beyond anything you've ever known. Your mind will, will no longer be affected by curse. Wouldn't it be, we, we, don't, we can't even comprehend what it would be like to live apart from the curse. We don't even know. The curse affects everything that happens around us. The curse, we're going to live forever. No matter what happens, we're going to live forever. But when, the, when we get to heaven, just imagine, we will never age again Jesus was 33 when he got there I'm thinking we'll be 33 when we get there now, you can't prove I'm wrong just so I'll tell you I can't necessarily prove I'm right either but I'm just but we will never age another moment imagine that in a, in a, in a glorified body without, without any aches or pains just think about that. Listen, I don't know. I'm getting off. I'll get on my track here. But just think, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be laying somewhere. All of a sudden, the Apostle Paul said, "I met a man, whether in the body or not. I don't know. He didn't even know if he was in the body or out of the body. One day we'll come out of this body. We won't even know at first. Just think, you'll be, you'll be out of your body." Thinking, wow, I feel good. Why? You look down, you see yourself, and you go, man, I look old there. But man, I feel good. And then you'll be in the presence of God. And the relatives we have there that, that have gone on before us, we'll meet them there. That is going to be a great day. In fact, the scripture says, the day of a man's death is better than the day of his birth. Because you come out of the womb and you come into the curse. 
I mean, you're already part of it in the womb, but you come out, you're a part of the curse now. But that day, we come out of this and we go where there is no curse. Ooh, that's going to be something. That's a whole different sermon, but that is really good. So there's more to know than just see Tom. We have much to do in the meantime, because if we were just here to get to heaven, and I've said this a hundred times in my life probably, when they baptize you, they can just hold you under and you can go and go to heaven. <laughs> but we, but we, have, we have a job to do while we're here. And our job is to do what God told Adam and Eve to do, and that is expand the garden or expand the kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're going to have a job to do. When we get to heaven, there will be a job. Listen to this. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us. Now listen. He's al- the word hath means has already. Has made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are right this moment kings and priests. Kings don't sit around playing harps, eating grapes all day. They have to work being the king. They have a job being the priest. The priest has to do, being the priest has to do with, with this relationship with God, this intimacy in the presence of God. That's what we get to do. But the, the king has to do with government and enforcing the rule of God. That is our job. That's what we do. We are kings and priests unto him. I mean... That, this is fun. We have the keys of the kingdom, and the keys of the kingdom are so we can lock things in or let things out. The keys represent authority. They represent control. They represent power. When we have the key, we, we decide who comes in, who goes out. We have the power to, 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 to forbid the power to allow. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We are kings and priests with jobs to do. Let me tell you what we're supposed to be doing. We're practicing for eternity right here. We need to learn how to do this job here so when we get there, we can be doing the, we can just go right in and start to work instead of having to have a century or two to get used to it. Scripture says in Revelation 22, 5, talking about heaven, there shall be no light there. They need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they, listen, listen, they shall reign forever and ever. That means we've got something to do forever and ever. Well, I don't like telling people what to do. Well, you'll, you, you'll like it there. You're going to reign. You're going to reign. That's who you are. You, you, have been, you have been born again into the royal family. The Bible calls us a royal priesthood. We are, we are the royal ones. We have a job to do. We have authority here, and we'll have authority there. We will reign with Him. Whew. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about... I'm just going to read you a passage of Scripture about the devil here. This is going to be fun. This is two chapters before Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. It says, And I saw an angel, an angel, one angel, an angel 
come down from heaven having the key. They was like, there's my key. <laughs> That's my key. <laughs> I found my key. It's right there. Having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on, that dra- on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. One angel. Not an army of angels. One angel came down, grabbed him, and chained him up and threw him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. The angels are watching and they're like, why are they afraid of him? Why are they so terrified of him? The only thing he has is he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He blinds the minds of people. That's what he does. That's the problem in our country. That's the problem in, in, in our society today is their minds have been blinded because the church has not been the light that they can see. One angel cast him in the bottomless, bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal over him that he should deceive the nations no more. For a thousand years. And it says, after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. Wait, wait, wait. Thrones. 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 Who's on the thrones? We are. He is. We, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. We're the kings and the priests. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God, that, which, had not, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon the foreheads in their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. And this, this is fun stuff here. And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. We're going to be those who are already living in these thousand years. We're going to be living, we're going to be living with Him in heaven. It says, the first, the first group of us, we're called the first resurrection. It says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Because they're all going to come up again. And the second death is they get cast into this lake of fire. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Isn't that awesome? We have this idea that the devil is something that he just isn't. He no longer has the keys. He no longer has the power of death. We now have the keys. We now have something to do. We have authority of the kingdom, but we must be willing to fight a fight of faith. And there's where the rub is. Most Christians don't want to have to fight anything. Entitlement has become the byword of the church. We feel entitled. 
that I'm saved now and you owe me something. Have you ever had this thought? Have you ever fasted before? And you fasted for two days, two whole days you fasted. And then it's like, okay, now God, you owe me something. He didn't owe you anything. Nothing. We need to understand we have a job to do. We have an important job to do, and we must do what he told us to do. And the way we're going to do that job is when we're thinking the right way. You've got to think right. You have to know that. You have to think the right way every day. We have to find the Word. We have to get in the Word because you will not understand the authority you have over the devil unless you're in the Word of God and unless you're praying in the Spirit. Those two things are going to bring you wisdom and revelation that you've never had before. What I know about the Holy Spirit is He sounds like the Bible. Because He wrote the Bible. We need to realize we've got to get hold of the Word. I don't know how you read the Bible, but you ought to read it every day. It ought to be your habit. It ought to be what you do all the time. Now read my Bible on this iPad Every day. Now, if you like to read out of a book, that's fine. Uh, you know, I used to love it when I was, when I, as a pastor, when I would, back in those days, we didn't have iPads or iPhones or any of that stuff, and people had to bring a Bible to church, and it was awesome to listen to the pages, all turn, because I turned to a lot of scriptures, and I would have them turn to them as well. But they, just to listen to that. But you know what? I don't do that anymore. I do do this to go to the next page in my iPad. But we need to, we need to make sure that we understand that if we're going to bind and loose, and that's a weapon, we've got to figure out how to use that weapon. The manual is the Word of God. You can read it on your iPad. You can read it on an iPod if you have one. You can read it whatever you've got. Read it. Read it out loud sometimes. Take a small passage. Put it on your phone. Just... Put it somewhere. Just look at it many times during the day and say it out loud to yourself. Just speak it over and over. That's what meditation is. To mutter, to utter, to speak to yourself again and again. Taking the word. Speaking it over and over. I recently heard about a guy who, this has been several years ago, he said, he, he said, he said this. He said, it all started with an iPhone. He said, March was, my, was when my son celebrated his 15th birthday, so I got him an iPhone. He loved it. I mean, who wouldn't? I celebrated my birthday in July. My wife made me very happy when she bought me an iPad. My daughter's birthday was in August, so I got her an iPod Touch. September came by. It was my wife's birthday, so I bought her an iRon. Spelled I-R-O-N. It was around then that the fight started. <laughs> What my wife failed to recognize is that the iRon can be integrated into the home network with the iWash, iCook, iClean. <laughs> it gets better here. This unfortunately activated the iNag app, which led me to the iHospital and I Get Out Thursday. Whatever it takes. Get in the Bible. Get in the Word. Make sure you're in the Word. Make sure you take time in it. Okay, here's what Jesus said in John. We read this last time also. He said, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. How do we know if we love him? There's an if involved here. If we keep his commandments, we love him. If you love me. Now, I didn't say this. Jesus said this, okay? I'm not making it up. John chapter 14, this is verse 15. Verse 21 says, He that hath my commandments hath has them and keeps them. He it is that loveth me. Having and keeping the commandments. He said, he, he, he said And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Would you like a manifestation of Jesus? Here's the key. Doing what he said. Having his word and keeping his word and doing it. We said that to have means to guard, to keep your, to, I'm sorry, to have means to lay hold on, to own or possess. Make it your own. To keep means to guard, observe, keep your eyes on it. Make sure it's your focus. Make sure the word is in your focus. He said, he that has them, he that owns them, and he that keeps his eyes on them is the one that loves me. And the one that loves me shall be loved of my Father. Now, God loves the whole world, but there's a manifestation of his love to those who love him. I've heard this week on, in my, in, in just in Christian music that I listen to three different times in the last two days. I've heard songs that say, draw me near to you. The old hymn, draw me nearer. That's not how it works. If I know, if I, if I, if I know what the Bible says, I know, what, I know how to get near to him. I know how he gets near to me. He said, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. There's no secret, there's no trick. We draw near to him. But if you don't know that, if you don't know what I just said, then you're going to be listening to that song and you're going to start making that your prayer. Draw near to me, God. Draw near to me, God. And God's going to be saying, and you won't hear him, but he's going to say, I'm as near as you want me to be. If we have his word, if we keep his word, he comes and he manifests himself to us. Ooh. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot. We talked about last week, that was important. I mean, if you're that Judas, you wanted to say not Iscariot, right? You don't want him to, you don't want, you know, you don't be identified with Judas Iscariot. This is Judas Thaddeus. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us and not to the world? How are you going to do that? Jesus said, answered and said to him, third time, if a man love me, he will keep my words Three times. How do you? I mean, Jesus is trying to get this across to him. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We're going to move in with that guy, that lady. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. See, this is an important matter. If we are going to change our culture, we're going to have to change our minds. We are going to have to. Because somehow a light has to shine in darkness. We live in what is the, one of the greatest opportunities in the history of the church. I hate to tell you this, 
the charismatic renewal is dead. And yet, those of us who are part of the charismatic renewal are like those guys. Remember when Elijah and Elisha went across the Jordan? They went across. The Lord took Elisha into heaven. The mantle fell. Elijah put it on. And he goes, he goes back to the because Elisha, Elijah had smacked the, the river and it opened up. They walked across. Then it came back together. These other prophets are on the other side. And they walk across. They come back. And Elijah is, Elisha is by himself. He now has the mantle. He smacks the river and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Notice he didn't say, where is Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He smacks it. He comes across. They go, in my paraphrase, golly. What happened to Elijah? He said, the Lord took him. Well, maybe he dropped him off over there somewhere. We'll go look for him. And Elijah, Elisha says, no, you don't need to. He's not going to be there. And it says they, they begged him until he was embarrassed. And he said, okay, okay, go look for him. Those of us who are looking for the charismatic renewal are wasting our time. The mantle has moved to another time. Another place, not another place, but another time. God is about to do something brand new. Our question is not where is the where is the Lord God of the charismatic renewal, but where 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 is the where is the charismatic renewal? But where is the God of the charismatic renewal? We don't want that. We want God. We want Him only. We want to have him, and we're going to change our world by changing the way we think, changing what we, what we desire is him, and doing what he says to do. And we have to have, we have to keep his word. You can get emotional, and you can say, I love the Lord. But if you're not doing what he told you to do, you're just talking. We do what he says. I mean, that's our love for him. That's what we do. We want this manifestation of Jesus because if there's a manifestation of Jesus, that's going to get everyone's attention and it's going to change a lot of things. Nobody can deny a real manifestation. They can deny a lot of stuff that happens in the churches today, but they can't deny a real manifestation of Jesus. Mary said to those people, remember at the wine, whatever he says, do it. They did the dumbest thing you could ever imagine by pouring water into those big old, big old jars. It was the best wine they'd ever tasted. And the scripture says, it says, he, he, he did it so that, and he manifested himself to his disciples. That's what we need. We need this manifestation. We need his manifestation. We, we've got to know that Jesus wants to do more than we've ever, ever thought he would do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind, talk about your mind, which is different than your brain. We talked about that, I think, before. Your brain will die with your body. Your mind will live forever. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that's what the Bible says, 
Let this, let, wait a minute. I get to choose. This is my choice. God is not going to force me to think the right way. He's going, I have to make a choice. It literally says, have this thinking like Jesus had. The Bible tells us to think the way Jesus thought. Jesus is the Word. Every thought Jesus has is the Word. In fact, in John 14, He said that the words weren't even His. They were the Father's. And we read that just a moment ago. If we're going to change the world, we have to change our thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 2, verse 16 says, We're to have the mind of Christ. The intellectual faculty and understanding of Jesus and His anointing. What kind of thoughts does Jesus have? The Word. He always thinks the Word. We, and I know that's, we can't always think the Word. Well, we can think a lot more than we do now, can't we? We can think a different way. Let this mind be in you. You let this mind be in you. Your choice, it's up to us. We must follow the mind that was in Jesus. We must allow it to be formed in us. That will take some time, won't it? We have to think different thoughts, one thought at a time. It's a conscious decision followed by decisive actions. I believe God wants to change our culture. It's not going to happen because He's going to drop a bomb in them. It's going to happen because He drops something in you, something in me. And then we, I believe the church can dominate the culture. I believe revival comes. It's different than we've ever thought it would be. It may have tattoos all over it. And I'm pretty sure lots of it will. It's going to be different. But we've got to think like Jesus. Jesus changed the world by discipling these 12 guys who learned to think like him. And those 12 guys, the most unlikely 12 guys you ever thought about, changed the world. It's not hopeless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're to have the mind of Christ. Lord, that we can change the way we think. Father, that we have the keys of hell, death, we have keys of the kingdom. We have the authority, Lord, to, to allow things, to forbid things. Teach us, Lord, to use these keys. Give us revelation according to your purpose tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.